It's 743. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Chuck Anzalevich. Fewer coal miners are killed on the job than in years past, but black lung remains a persistent problem. A big reason for that is silica dust. We anticipate a, a final uh, silica rule coming out in April of 2024. That story and more coming up on this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs will host today a commemoration and celebration of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. with an ecumenical service, light refreshments, a march, and bell ringing at the West Virginia Culture Center at 9.30 this morning. Dr. Alicia Lewis will provide the keynote address. She's a professor at West Virginia State University's Education Department. She advocates for underrepresented students and actively engages in community service projects and mentoring to support their college, career, and life success. The ceremony can be viewed live at the Herbert Henderson Office of Minority Affairs Facebook page or during the broadcast, which broadcast which is scheduled for this coming Friday, January 19th at 7.30 p.m. from West Virginia Public Broadcasting, the West Virginia Channel. Caitlin Aluise is a graduate of West Virginia University and spent her final semester working on a multimedia piece for the EYES Shelter and Outcomes for Children with Intellectual Disabilities in the State. She spoke with Appalachia Health News reporter Emily Rice about what she found through her reporting. So what got you interested in the topic? Why did you choose that? It kind of started off as an assignment for my class. We had to pick any kind of current event and just, you know, write what we knew about it based on what we've seen um, in the news. And so the current event that I chose was the lawsuit going on um, at the DHHR. Um, it wasn't, there wasn't anything really specific that drew me to it. I'd just been seeing it in the news a lot. And so uh, I wrote about that current event. What is the most surprising thing that you learned? The most surprising thing that I learned um, is probably when I actually went down to the Eyes Shelter, which is the only shelter in West Virginia specifically targeted towards caring for children with profound disabilities um, and by children I mean everyone there is probably under 13 and I, I mean this was this wasn't a facility uh, like a hospital facility that you're picturing this is like a house in the middle of a neighborhood like way out in West Virginia and you know these it's just it's just a regular house with five beds and it's and they're just doing their best to care for these so people. I wanted to revisit um, something we had talked about before with the DHHR not tracking kids with intellectual de development disabilities. How, from the people that you spoke to, how is that detrimental to the children's care for those statistics to not be tracked? From the people that I talked to, it kind of sounded like this is important because if we know those numbers, if we have a full scope of, you know, how many children there are, and where exactly they are, then we can know for sure how much care we actually need to provide, how much, how many resources we need to put into places like the eye shelter. Um, the eye shelter is currently work on getting a larger facility. Um, I think they're going to double their beds. So uh, right now it's five 
uh, with a sixth, um, like if needed, it's over capacity, six beds. Um, I think they're trying to turn it in, into 12. Um, but, you know, raising money for this facility is not an easy task. It's a slow process and there will still only be one ice shelter. And I think, you know, if we knew the full scope of this and how many kids need this individualized care, then we could really start making headway on how much care we need to provide. What were your main takeaways? What were what are some things that could be done to improve the system? I think my main takeaways is, first of all, these these kids eventually, depending on their, you know, developmental disability could be placed in a facility with, you know, neurotypical children, but not always. And they usually can't start there. They need individualized care. They can't just be, you know, lost in a system where they can't get individualized attention. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. On Fridays, as part of the legislature today, our reporters discuss what happened during the week and the bills that they are watching. This week, host Randy Yoey spoke with our reporters Curtis Tate, Brianna Heaney, and Emily Rice to get the session started. Curtis, we heard about Fairness for All Day. It's their second annual day that they had in the rotunda today. And they talked about the three uh, bills that they're presenting. But there's two sides to this coin, isn't there? Well, sure. And, and one of the main uh, pieces of legislation that they want to see passed, one of their priorities is a, a statewide fairness law that would, would protect uh, LGBTQ people from discrimination and employment, housing, and public accommodations. That's kind of the cornerstone of these fairness laws across the country and also at the local level there are many municipalities in west virginia that have such laws uh, but there is no state law here that that, uh, that protects lgbtq people from discrimination Bree, you're seeing plenty of bills introduced over in the senate um, what we're seeing is a kind of a different procedure uh, than what's going on in the house this year and last year mm-hmm. explain in layman's terms what's going on yeah so um, around 450 bills have been introduced in the past three days Um, and 36 of those bills have been passed on a third reading and they're on their way over to the House. All of those bills were bills that passed the Senate last year but did not make it into law. Um, What's different than what happened last year in the Senate is last year they suspended the rules and they passed 28 bills, they passed them on third reading and sent them over to the House on the first day of session. This year, however, they are following um, the procedure and um, today was day three. On each day, they did first, second, and third reading on those 36 bills and they sent them over to the House today. Emily, we're all trying to not say DHHR anymore because it's not DHHR anymore. (laughs) Uh, We're divided into three, but there's some, some scrutiny and some oversight that's gonna be going on, isn't there? So the DHHR is no more, it's the agency formerly known as, and um, it is now the West Virginia Department of Health and the West Virginia Department of Health Facilities and the West Virginia Department of Human Services. And all your existing bureaus fall underneath one of those categories, and they also have an Office of Shared Administration. Now that is part of where the scrutiny is coming from, is this Office of Shared Administration Uh, LACRA, which is the Legislative Oversight Committee uh, that oversees Health and Human Resources, and they were questioning the Office of Shared Administration, asking whether or not there were overlapping bureaucracies going on, whether or not it was 
too much of the same, you know, the reason that they split the agency to begin with was that there was too much bureaucracy. There was, we're still navigating it. We're still getting, you know, new press releases from these new departments. To hear the rest of that discussion, visit our website, wvpublic.org. And don't forget to tune into West Virginia Public Broadcasting on TV and radio at 6 p.m. Monday through Friday to keep up with the legislature. It's 7.51. This is West Virginia Morning. Winter storm warnings and winter weather advisories currently in effect for most of the state until tomorrow morning. We do expect significant snowfall and up to six to eight inches of snow is expected across southern and central parts of West Virginia. For the rest of today, it's going to be cloudy and cold with snow showers and flurries. Highs today in the 20s, lows tonight in the mid-teens to the mid-20s. Tomorrow, cloudy with snow showers and flurries tapering off. Highs will be in the 20s. And for Wednesday, sunny but continued cold with highs in the 20s. These days, fewer coal miners are being killed on the job than in years past, but black lung remains a persistent problem. Curtis Tate and Emily Rice spoke with, spoke with Chris Williamson, the Assistant Secretary for Mine Safety and Health at the U.S. Department of Labor, about MSHA's efforts to reduce the, sa- uh, to reduce the safety and health risks in coal mines. When can we expect to see the final rule on silica dust exposure for coal miners? We anticipate uh a, a final uh silica rule coming out in april of 2024 now that's our projection and that's about as much as i can say about it but what i what else i can i guess what the other thing i can say is is that you know anybody that's you know listened to me is during the entire time that i've been assistant secretary is that you know this has been a huge priority not just for me but for this administration and you know, we know the importance of the issue. Um, you, you, you know, th- people people think that re- you know, working on regulatory issues, especially the complex health rule, like you can just get it out the door, and it, it's not that simple. And you know, I, I I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, acknowledge you know the the countless MSHA and other Department of Labor employees. I mean, they're working through. There are going to be people working through the holidays on this. Like we're taking this incredibly serious. We know how important the issue is, um, and you know what exists right now um, is not adequate to prevent minors um, from getting sick and to protect adequately protect their health. And you know we're going to do everything we can to continue to to push forward on this. It's a huge priority, and it will continue to be a huge priority. And 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 we'll see. I mean, once you know, once we get. A, a final rule developed, then, you know, just anybody that follows this process knows that, you know, it has to go um, through an interagency review process at, at, you know, through the Office of Management budget. And, um, you know, that would be the next step. And, um, you know, we're going to continue to work as hard and, um, you know, hard as we can to, to, to try to do that. So we have seen quite the steep drop off in coal miner deaths in West Virginia. And obviously that's incredible news, but we were wondering what to attribute that to. 
and what some of the biggest dangers that coal miners specifically are facing. And then we can talk about miners of all kinds as well. Let's really look at you know what we can do to reduce all these serious accidents um, and, and these fatal accidents. And we have it. It's not in the public, uh, in the federal register yet, but um, we have completed a final rule on um, on the safety side that will require safety programs for surface mobile equipment. And, you know, I think that is going to be an opportunity as we implement that regulation to get the entire mining community to focus on those machinery and powered haulage and those those types of issues. And, and, and that's one of the things I'm going to be talking about and asking everybody to, you know, these are where we know that these have been the biggest drivers of, of, of fatal accidents the past few years. And let's all really focus on them and, 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 and try to make sure that, that we're reducing the number. So that's on the safety side. And we talked a little bit on the health side. I mean, health is going to continue to be a, 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 as, as I've said over and over again, and, you know, part of our campaign, you know, miners' health must at least be equally as important as miners' safety, and 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 whether it's our work on a silica regulation, the, the implementation or enforcement of that regulation, um, the work we're going to do to continue to encourage miners to exercise their Part 90 rights, you know, all the other things we do in the miners' health space. Um, you know, that's going to continue to be a priority as well. So that's what we've been focused on in 2023. Um, and, and, and that's what we're going to continue to focus on in 2024, you know, and, 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 and I hope in 2024 that, you know, the, the nation's miners who, as we talked about on, on, on for national miners day, you know, they do incredibly important work that we all benefit from. And there's a basic principle there that they ought to be able to do that work and return home safe and healthy. Um, you know, the people that, you know, in the community I grew up in, they need to be able to go home to, to, to Williamson or Logan or, uh, you know, Dingus, West Virginia. They need to be able to do that uh, both safe and healthy and go home to their families. That was Chris Williamson, the head of MSHA, speaking with Curtis Tate and Emily Rice about mine safety and health. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day at our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm Chuck Anzalevich. This has been West Virginia Morning. <laughs>